0: Hello and welcome to Small Black Birds, I'm AJ. And in this episode, you will hear about an artist for whom music was his passion, but seeing the humanity in others, his purpose. Performing in film, music, and theater across 60 years, few artists have a resume to match the incredible range and talent of Theodore Bikel. Along with assisting Bob Dylan make rock and roll history at Newport, Bikel played the father of the vaughn Trapp family in the original Broadway production of The Sound of Music, and appeared in hundreds of movies and hit TV shows like The Twilight Zone, Charlie's Angels, and The Muppet Show. And most knew him best for his portrayal of Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof. But Bichel was more than just a versatile performer. Born in Vienna between the two world wars, he and his family fled Eastern Europe after Nazi Germany invaded Austria and Poland. Though he would go on to achieve fame and fortune on three continents, his own experience as a refugee was never far from his mind, and he spent a lifetime fighting for the dignity of all people, even when it sometimes put him at odds with his own people.
1: Protest, yell, occupy if you must, but do not be silent, do not be quiet, and do not think that somebody else is gonna fight your fight for you. You have to do it.
0: As one might expect of summertime temperatures in the Deep South, July 6, 1963, was a blistering hot day in Greenwood, Mississippi. But that didn't stop about 300 people from coming to hear Bob Dylan play at a voter registration drive organized by the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Playing to a mostly black audience in the yard of a small farmhouse on the edge of a cotton patch, with police and other white residents keeping a watchful eye on the proceedings from across the street, Dylan unveiled only a pawn in their game his brand new song about the killing of Medgar Evers, an army veteran and civil rights leader whose assassination one month earlier had shocked the nation. The refrain of Dylan's song is that the white man who shot Evers didn't understand what he was doing and should be forgiven. Hence the line, he's only a pawn in their game. While some initially thought the song made excuses for Evers' killer, a closer examination of the song's lyrics made clear the folk singer wasn't giving anyone a free pass. Dylan calls out the rich and powerful white elites who stir anger in poor whites against their black neighbors in order to distract them from their own social and economic shortcomings. As one of the most evocative songs of the civil rights era, only a pawn in their game takes on the dark side of the American experience, exposing the roots of segregation and racial violence, and remains as powerful and relevant today.
2: Look at Bobby Dylan, a disturbed youth, he's 21 years old, he is an old man in his mind, he effectually in his poetry says to us, you have robbed me of my youth, you know, in in another age perhaps I would be hopping and skipping about and having a good time, but I can't because all these things bug me, is what he says, and that's what his poetry says and that's what his music says.
0: Dylan traveled to Greenwood at the request of Theodore Bikel, another folk singer who also performed that scorching hot day in Mississippi. While his performance wasn't as memorable as Dylan's, it did set the stage for him to invite the legendary singer-songwriter to perform at the Newport Folk Festival, an annual celebration of folk music in Rhode Island that Bikel helped organize. The Newport Folk Festival, which helped launch the career of a then unknown 18-year-old Joan Baez, and is still running strong 60 years since its founding, has had many iconic moments over the years. And none more so than in 1965, when Dylan took the stage at Newport dressed in a black leather jacket and shocked the music world by playing an electric guitar instead of his usual acoustic. Expecting him to play the folk and protest songs that had turned Dylan into a household name, it didn't take long for the audience's confusion over his new sound to descend into a chorus of anger.
1: I recall that afternoon, Dylan had played with the Butterfield Blues Band in an afternoon workshop and had experimented with them. So this wasn't totally out of the blue for me. Albert Grossman was Dylan's manager that afternoon and and, and somebody yelled at Dylan to stop playing around with electronic music and with electric guitars and stuff like that. And and Albert Grossman actually came to blows, to fisticuffs for the person who criticized Dylan. So that was the afternoon before that thing happened. And Dylan went out on the stage and he sang with an electric guitar backed up by the Butterfield Blues Band. He sang a song called I Ain't Gonna Work On Maggie's Farm No More, which is the declaration of independence. If it's anything, okay. And half the people booed him. And he was not used to being booed. None of was booed. He was used to being booed. Newport was a love fest. You don't get booed at a love fest. He came off stage and he was in the face. Peter Yarrow and I walked over to him and, and, I, and I remember saying to Dylan, you know, when somebody rides a horse get, and gets thrown off of the horse, unless they get on, back on the horse right away, they'll never ride again. So, what I suggest is that you go out there with your acoustic guitar, the old Dylan, because that's the Dylan they love. And um, I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, or next month, or next year, but I suggest you do that. So he went back out with his acoustic guitar, everybody applauded and, and yelled bravos and stuff. <laughs> and then What he sang was as much of a declaration of independence as the song that he had sung before. He sang It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, with his acoustic guitar. So that was that that famous, infamous uh, evening at, at Newport, Rhode Island. People remember it differently, but I remember it well.
0: It's interesting to imagine what might have happened had Bikel not been there to push Dylan back on stage with an acoustic guitar to mollify the audience. Bikel understood the power of music, and it's a unique ability to stir emotions in each of us, and he didn't want Dylan or the crowd to leave the festival under such an inauspicious cloud. Bikel, who recorded over 20 music albums in his career and played the guitar, mandolin, and harmonica, was committed to the idea that music and art bring people together and offers them hope even when dealing with day-to-day hardships or confronting the specter of global devastation.
2: Because I believe that it is, uh, at the moment, one of the few answers to the chaos that we have. We have given, and are still handing the youth of today, a world without hope. A world where the threat of annihilation hangs over their heads. We are, even in this country, faced with strife, militant strife, in fact, where we we are denying, and I say we, I mean the society we live in, denies certain portions of the population their rights. The only recourse we have, and we are not violent people, the only recourse we have is to song.
0: Though Bikel was a staunch advocate for peace, he was no stranger to violence. As Jews living in Eastern Europe during the 1930s, Bikel and his family experienced firsthand the terrors of Nazi Germany.
1: I was born in Vienna, Austria, a lovely place, a place that allowed me to be, to develop as a human being, to to love theater, literature, uh, to love music and allowed me to develop as a, as a, as a Jew. I was f- 13 years old when the Nazis marched in, and overnight I became from a, a human being of equal rights, an object of derision and of hatred, and I became ultimately a refugee. I had to flee a place that I used to call home, but all these years, I smarted under the notion that a human being was told to get out, and that was me."
0: In the weeks before he and his family fled, Bikel was surprised and hurt by the inaction of his European neighbors, many of whom said they despised the Nazis, but did little to help when Germans began going door-to-door looking for Jews and other persecuted peoples. Though he was just a child, he never forgot how his neighbors in Vienna turned their back on his family and the Jewish community.
1: There were some decent people next door who did not participate in the barbaric acts, but they didn't open their windows and doors to call a halt either. And then much later, I couldn't formulate it then, much later it was clear to me that these nice Gentiles next door, they had to share in the guilt and complicity because silence is, s- speaks very loud and non-action is an act. And so that's how I became an activist. That's how I, when, when, when for instance, when the civil rights movement w- w- was at its height, some of my Jewish friends tried to take me to task. I said, don't we have enough trouble when they hit Jews, you should talk and sing. I said, no, you don't understand. Whenever there's an injustice, There's a switch that's thrown in my head, and the the victims become Jews, no matter what they are.
0: Unable to stay in Europe, Bikel and his family found a home in Palestine, where he began acting in local Hebrew productions. In 1946, he went to London to study at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and immediately soaked up the atmosphere. Becoming a master of languages, dialects, and accents, it didn't take long for his many talents to be recognized, and he appeared on stage and in Hollywood movies like The Defiant Ones and My Fair Lady, co-starring alongside some of the era's biggest stars like Humphrey Bogart, Sidney Poitier, and Tony Curtis. But it was his portrayal of Tevye, the father in Fiddler on the Roof, a popular musical that explores Jewish identity and customs that made him a household name in Israel and to the Jewish diaspora. Playing the role over 2,000 times, he became synonymous with the character and widely considered an unofficial ambassador of the people and culture. But that place of honor did not prevent Bakel from calling out injustice wherever he saw it, including Israel's mistreatment of Palestinians and Bedouin Arabs, many of whom have been displaced by the ongoing occupation. Never one to be silent in the face of persecution, Bikel spoke out about the plight of the Palestinians and the deterioration of civil society in Israel. The last article he contributed to the Jewish Journal, shortly before he passed away in 2015, expressed his concern that Israel was at risk of betraying its values and ideals.
1: There is a human equation here, and it has to do with the basic humanity of human beings People who lived on the land for centuries, long before there was even a state of Israel, who all of a sudden are being told to get out, to be relocated, that these are not simple questions, and complicated questions very often ask for complicated answers. But one thing that is absolutely clear in my mind is that human beings cannot be treated like cattle. Human beings must be given the dignity and the respect that all human beings deserve, especially by a people who themselves, Jews, have experienced such deprivation in the past.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Small Black Birds. While Theodore Bikel's list of professional accomplishments are too many to name here, I did want to mention one of his most unique performances. Back in 1979, he was on a flight from L.A. when a woman stood up mid-flight and threatened to blow up the plane. Bikel, who had just a few years earlier played the part of a hijacked passenger in a made-for-TV movie, rose to the occasion, rallying his fellow hostages to sing songs to help calm them and the woman. A few hours later, the plane landed safely in New York. Did I get this story right? Let me know at smallblackbirdspodcast at gmail.com. Want to protect your right to protest? Go to www.rightsanddissent.org. Stay safe and talk with you soon.
1: Well, I ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no
2: more. No, I ain't going to work on Maggie's farm no more. Well, I wake up in the morning, pull my hands and pray for rain. Got a full of ideas, they are driving me insane. As I sit in the way they make me scrub the floor. No, I ain't going to work on Maggie's farm.